0: Well, thank you for joining us again as we continue our study through God's Word together in 2021. We are on week 18 this week. It seemed like there was quite a bit of reading this week, more than there has been in the past. And I hope that you were able to power through those first chapters of the book of First Chronicles. Lots of different genealogies, different names of who begat who and whose son was whom. Uh, Lots of different information there, I'm looking forward to getting into um, a little bit of the genealogy of the kings and the genealogies of when Israel is called back from exile in the coming weeks in the book of First Chronicles. I should also have been reading through the um, middle part of the book of First Samuel chapters 18 through 25, and we'll finish that up next week and get into the book of 2 Samuel, which really technically were just one book, the book of Samuel. Um, The scrolls were not long enough to contain all that Samuel recorded. So we have 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel now, but really the same story from the same prophet there about the same time period in Israel. Um, Focused on some of the the middle Psalms, the, the 50s, This week and those Psalms are kind of what we're going to spend our time on here this morning and also Acts chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those were just a great reminder again of the work of God in the early church and exactly how he was going about those things. I guess I just would draw out that as we read through the book of Acts, please do not miss the role, the very active and intricate and involved role of the Spirit of God, in the building of his church. The Spirit empowers, the Spirit leads, the Spirit teaches, the Spirit convicts, and that's a good lesson for us. We are very quick to think that we can do something in the church, and that we have it together, and that we can offer something. The picture that we have in Scripture of God's church, his bride being prepared for him is that that happens through the work of the Holy Spirit and through his direction. So as you read through the book of Acts, kind of look for that. I've highlighted those things as we, as we go through in my Bible and just see exactly where and how specifically the Spirit of God is working. I'm kind of on a side note. That's one of my favorite things to do is I read through either different books of the Bible. I have in the past. I am um, just kind of picked a theme for the year. I think I have a Bible in my office somewhere where I was focused on God's heart for the nations for a year and just kind of look through all of those passages in scripture um, with that idea in mind that God has a heart for the nations and highlighted some things. You see this really interesting patterns arise. You see um, different things as you focus on those things specifically. So I would invite you to um, encourage you, I guess, to do those things um, with the, the Holy Spirit and His work through the book of Acts. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope that you do, there, I would invite you to open up to Psalm 52. And this week we read Psalm 52, 54, 56, 57, and 59. And, you know, as you get into these Psalms, in in God's word, you see here a very specific time period in King David's life. David is the one who's written all of these psalms here in this portion. That's how they're arranged. This is in book two of the psalms. The psalms are split into five different books. Um, and in this book, we see here that David is really in a tumultuous period in his life, you know, these psalms here we see David um, running from King Saul in the wilderness and facing a lot of persecution, facing some really difficult things in his life. You know, as I thought about that, um, I just really was drawn to the fact that many of us as believers in Christ, I think, kind of feel the same way right now—that we we don't exactly understand what God is doing um, in our lives, in our churches, in our culture. We don't exactly see how he is working, and from outward appearances, it can seem to us that the the evil are actually being blessed and that they are being told to go forth, and David saw a lot of that in his life. I want to focus on Psalm 52 this morning and give you a little bit of the background on that, but as you read through these different Psalms, 51 through uh, the middle of the 60s, keep in mind there that this was a time period in David's life where things were not going well. I mean, there were a lot of years here where he was anointed by Samuel as king, and some people actually recognized him as king. Um, if you look into the book of 1 Samuel, there you see that it says that he actually reigned for seven and a half years at different places, recognizing that he was God's anointed king, but David recognized that God's timing was a little more complex than that. He had not completely removed Saul, and there was a purpose in that, and it was to show the people that they needed to trust the Lord for their king. They needed to trust God instead of demanding a king like the other nations. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago together. Um, so Saul was left in power um, and for, for one reason, to, to show the people their need for dependence on the Lord and waiting on the right king. And we see David labeled as the king after God's own heart, um, one who would follow him in his ways and lead the people in the correct way, um, waiting and running. And that's the record we get um, of some of those experiences here in Psalm Fifty-two. So I'd like to read that for you, and then we'll cover a little bit of that together. Psalm 52, verse 1 says, Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him, saying, See, the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches, and sought refuge in his own destruction." Verse 8, But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. You know, as I read through this, I, I thought that this would be a wonderful Um, Study these section of the Psalms to go through in a Bible study together to just focus on What David was facing when he wrote these things? um, what David was facing as he Um, really sought the Lord in these different situations. Um, This would be in the category of what's known as an imprecatory psalm. And really that is the prayer for the judgment and destruction of an evil one. And so we see that pattern happening at different points throughout the psalms. And here David is really praying to the Lord, questioning God, and asking him for the judgment of Doeg the Edomite. Um, Doeg, if you look a little bit at his history, was not a good guy. He was He was a man that betrayed David. Um, David had gone down to the Edomites and had sought refuge as Saul was chasing him. and the king had offered that to him, but Doeg went and betrayed him to Saul in order that Saul would, Um, bless him in order that Saul would provide for him and he provides for him land he provides for him riches and and in fact provides for him a very high place in his military and he he gets to that point by rejecting the Lord and by um, betraying David in a very personal way and so you know as David is looking at this he's saying what what is going on here God this is This is not right. Something is happening. You know, as you read in 1 Samuel 22, which we would have done in our reading this week as well, this account of Saul having the priest set Nob killed, Doeg is actually the one who does that killing. Psalm 20, or sorry, 1 Samuel 22, verse 18 says, Then the king said to Doeg, You turn and strike the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priests, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword, both man and woman, child and infant, ox and donkey and sheep, he put to the sword." So, just a little background on that, David shows up to um, to the city of Nob, and he goes to Ahimelech the priest, and he is hungry, and he asks for bread, and Ahimelech provides that for him. Um, he provides for him a weapon, which is the sword of Goliath that was there, and provides for him in that way, and so Saul now sees him as a betrayer. He sees the priest there as favoring David, and you know, as you read the story, really, the priest says, well, you're right, <laughs> um, I've, I've continued to seek the Lord, and this is what God is doing. And so um, Saul, in his rage, he, he turns to his bodyguards, and he commands them to put to death all the priests at Nob for their quote-unquote betrayal. The Jewish bodyguards say, absolutely not. We're not going to have any part of that. And so Saul turns to his other side and Doeg the Edomite is there and he gives the command to Doeg to do his dirty work. And Doeg is eager to do the bidding of the one who has given him riches, who has given him land, who has given him position. And David recognizes him as an evil mighty man. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? He recognizes that this is, this is not a good person. You know, maybe maybe you can think of somebody in your life that way. Not obviously who has slaughtered a bunch of priests in a town, but you can think of someone who you say, this person is just opposed to the Lord. They do evil. They are not a good person. And we see them succeeding in different things. We see them succeeding in business or at their family, and we, we kind of question, God, why? Why are these things happening? And as you read through Psalm 52 here, you get very much of that, that idea, that David is just questioning um, why such a person who is so against the Lord would, would really benefit from those things. And so that's kind of the structure of an imprecatory psalm. You see that in the first part. You see this questioning of why do the evil prosper, Lord? Um, In the middle, you get to the point though where we recognize that God is the one who will judge them. In verse 5, we see that God will break you down forever. He will snatch you and tear you up from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. God is going to judge Doeg, and God is going to Take care of him; um, he will be the one to snatch him and to tear him from his tent. Those earthly possessions, those things that we often see as blessing and success, God is going to judge them. And here, actually, David prays that God would upward him from the land of the living; that the Lord would blot him out. Um, you know, that's kind of the the middle, the turning point of the imprecatory psalm. That we pray that God would would wreak vengeance on the wicked, the ones who we see prospering and, and oftentimes in the view of the world are blessed, recognizing that God is the one who's going to judge them. And then and then the turn is always to the heart of the one who is writing the psalm. And we see that in verse 8 of Psalm 52 when David says, But I, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever." And ever, I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. You know, I think David uses a very apt analogy here um, when he talks about being a green olive tree in the house of God. That's a very specific picture, you know, the green tree, especially in the desert. Um, you can look back at Psalm chapter one, you see um, that the tree that is rooted by streams of water um, is one that that is really growing, is really thriving. And a lot of times trees in the desert don't have that appearance. But David here says that because he is rooted in the Lord and he is provided for by the Lord, he is a green olive tree um, one that is flourishing, one that is vital, one that is bearing fruit. And he says, in the house of God, and I think really two pictures come to mind here. That he says, I'm a green olive tree in the house of the Lord. I am firmly planted in him, and I am I am benefiting from his protection in the house of God. I think is one picture. I think the second picture is this, that he is a green olive tree in the house of of the Lord, and the olive trees were um, the the trees that bore the the olive fruit, and that oil was pressed out, and that oil was used in the anointing in the temple, and it was used for sacrifice. And a lot of times, those olives were pressed at an earlier stage than they would have been for um, food purposes. So you know they were pulled at a very specific time, and they were pressed in a specific way to get the purest oil to use as the anointing and that happened when the olive tree was green in the house of the lord we recognize as a place of god's protection but also a place of god's meeting and i think i think that part of what david has in mind here is that he recognizes that that tree had a very specific purpose in the house of god and i think david recognizes that he too has a very specific purpose in god's plan that God has planted him, put him in this place, in this time, where he is running in the wilderness, and he is, um, he is being pursued by Saul. And God has a reason for that. You know, he's recognizing that God has put him there, and that he has a specific role to play. And so then he says three things here in the end of verse eight and into verse nine. He says, "I will trust." And the steadfast love of God forever and ever, I will thank you forever because you have done it, you are working, and I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. You know, as you approach this section of the Psalms, you get a very a very real sense that it's a difficult time for David. And in those times and periods of difficulty, we we often question God and we say, God, what what is going on? here. What is going on here? But David's response here is absolutely the correct response for us. He says, I will trust God, I will thank God, and I will wait for God. You know, as we begin a study on the book of Ephesians this week, we're going to see that sometimes the will of God lands us in some very uncomfortable places. We don't like to think about that. We often... Want to we, we think that the will of God is that everything would be fine for his followers, that everything would be right in the world. And I don't I don't think that's the picture we get from scripture. Sometimes God's will lands us in very uncomfortable places so that we would grow and so that we would be refined and we would be shaped. And I think that's a part of what's happening in David's life at this time period when he is in the wilderness and he is anointed king, but he's not, um, he's not seen the full fruition of that come and God has not placed him on the throne. Saul is trying to take his life and tries that many times, turning people against him. In the midst of that, David says, I'm going to trust God because of his steadfast love that goes on forever and ever. You know, and as we face those difficulties, we too, we should trust in the steadfast love of God. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's difficult for us to look past the circumstances of our life, the current things that we're facing, and remember that God loves us and that he is carrying that love on forever and ever. But but when we trust and put our faith in Hope in him, we recognize that he is good and that he is working. David goes on then. He says, I will thank you forever and ever. It's really difficult for us to thank God in the hard times. I think it's even more difficult for us to thank God for the hard times. But but we have to recognize, we have to recognize that God is the one who has done it, is what Psalm 52, verse 9 says: that God is working that he is in control. And so we should thank God for his protection, for his provision. We should thank God for those times when we are being sharpened and our faith and our perseverance is being strengthened by the trials that we are facing. The third thing that David reminds us of here is that we need to wait on his name because it is good. And he says, I will wait on your name for it is good, and I will do that, I will wait for your name, in the presence of the godly. You know, As we face those difficult times, if we want to make it through, and we want to remain faithful, and we want to prove to God that we love him, and that we actually believe in him, and that we um, are going to live for him, one of the best ways we do that is by doing that in the presence of the godly in the presence of people who are going to point us back toward the steadfast love of God, who are going to point us back to thanking Him forever. We looked at some of that from Psalm chapter 1 a few weeks ago together on our um, in our Sunday morning message time, that who we surround ourselves with in this world really does matter and really plays an important role in how we make it through in the faith that we have. So, So, wherever you're at, whatever circumstances you're facing, recognize that God has a specific purpose for you. Trust in him, thank him, and wait for him, because he is good. And as you do that, as you respond to him in that way, he is faithful, and he will show himself good to you again. You know, David experienced that. We've got a record here of some really difficult and dark times, but God was faithful to David. He was faithful in placing him on the throne. He was faithful in raising up um, his people through him. He was faithful in providing the promised Messiah through his line, one that's going to be established forever. And he did that even though David was not always faithful. God is good and he um, will, uh, the, the steadfast love of God will last forever and ever. So thank him today for where you're at. Wait on him and trust in the goodness of his love. Thank you for joining us again today. I hope that you'll jump back in with us next week as we get into week 19 of our study through the Bible together. Have a great day.